It's the Score North Twin Show. All right, gentlemen. Well, the uh, the epic weekend of Minnesota sports. Not off to the greatest start. Not off to the greatest start. Justin Verlander shoved a little bit there. Uh, the Gophers, as I'm watching here live, just threw a pick six on the second play of the game against Michigan. So, Skyma. Mm. Roll the boat, Skyma. Mm-hmm. Go Gophers. Go, cha- mm. go, go chase the defensive back. He's running that way. My hope for that game, not nearly as high as my hope is for game two of the Twins-Astros tomorrow. Yeah. Not well, that's game three. And that's the beauty of uh, of a baseball series is that you just sort of dust yourselves off and you go play again tomorrow. I still say Twins in four, by the way. I, bu- I built a oh. game one loss into the equation, into the algorithm for my prediction of Twins in four. Mm-hmm. Got to win next two, right? Like, in, in my opinion, you got to win the next two because it that goes uh, Lopez and Gray. So if you can win the next two, and now you're still at home, so yeah, yeah, and we can get into like sort of the the look ahead I hear here, you. I hear and we'll you. we'll dive into the look ahead, but we'll dive into also a pie chart. We're gonna do some uh, postseason pie charts. The here. Rock knows mm. how you feel about pie on the Score North Twin Show, where uh, we need a new slogan because the Twins already checked off the two boxes that we asked them to check off this year. So this is all just sort of gravy here, but. Um, before we get to Judd's pie chart, just your guys' general feeling after the Twins lose this game 6-4, to four, falling down one game to none. Dex, go, go ahead, because my, my pie chart will, will reflect my feelings pretty much. So, Declan? I'll sum it up at, I mean, pretty simple. Missed opportunities, right? I mean, I think that's t- kind of the headline of this game, especially early. Um, I voiced to you guys what I think now like two weeks ago when it looked like it was going to be twins Astros in the wild card series that I said, I don't feel good about Verlander. I think Verlander is going to shove. Um, and the first three innings of this game, Verlander didn't have his a stuff, didn't have his B stuff, maybe borderline C grade stuff in the first three innings of this game. They can't chase him early. And uh, he settled in nicely in the middle innings, but just incredible amount of missed opportunities early on in this game. Um, you know, I, I won't blame a ton on Bailey Ober for this game. The offense is the main headline early of why you lost this game. But I think going into it, and I'm curious on Judd's pie chart here, to assume that Bailey Ober wasn't going to give up bombs when he also has a home run problem like Joe Ryan, I am very I was interested in that move going into it. He gives up two, I know, really bad swings there, and the Houston Astros tilt the tilt the game early in the first three innings. At the end of the day, the offense is the bigger piece of pie here that is to blame. I'm curious again, here to judge pie chart. Just missed opportunities all around for the Twins to steal game one. Dude, like Verlander for his whole career has been like this. Where mm-hmm. And sometimes he's just lights out from the first inning. But even if you look at his splits, most pitchers, especially in today's game, with all the different ways that hitters can go in, hitters can like go in and get information on what they've seen so far. It's, it's really hard to get guys out a third time through the order in today's baseball. Verlander is the opposite of almost every other pitcher and that he starts, if you don't get him in the first like 25 to 50 pitches and the stats back this up, he gets harder and harder to get in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth innings. And Dex is right. They ha- I think they had five chances with runners in scoring position in the first two or three innings, a couple of double play balls. But I, I think my main thought or feeling after this loss is that you were never supposed to win game one against Verlander, whether you started Joe Ryan or Bailey Ober. This was kind of a, I mean, it's a five game series. So you got, you got to win three games. I'm not going to say like, it's fine that they lost game one. They're, they're in a hole right now, but 
I think it was always stacked up for the Twins' advantage to start Game 2 and then into Game 3. And I, and this is where I, I kind of love the Bailey Ober, Joe Ryan switcheroo because if you, if, you, if you think Joe Ryan's a better pitcher than Bailey Ober, why sacrifice him against Verlander in a game in which you're going to lose on the road in a bandbox? Take your shot with Ober, handcuffed to Maeda. They almost won the game. They came back. You know, they, they had it within a run there late. And now you can make a strong case. The Twins have the starting pitching advantage in the next three games. I think Framber and Pablo, especially in Houston, is kind of a toss-up. But you got your best starter going in game two. And then I think the Twins have an advantage, Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan in games three and four. So now they can just get swept and, you know, I'll look like an idiot for saying this. But strategically, I don't hate the way that this lines up for the Twins starting in game two. All right. Are we set for the pie chart? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. The Rock knows how you chart. feel about pie. All right, this is Judd's pie chart of blame for a game one loss. Five slices of pie. Five Ooh. slices of pie. Were, were there modifications in the pie, especially in the uh, seventh inning when a couple home runs were hit? I'm just curious on Chef Zol- Zolgad's plan of pie here. Not really, no. No. Okay. Like, like I, it, it got to be, I mean, I thought that, that that was a really fun baseball game to watch. Like, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Uh, but no, I did not because uh, I, I was not going to dump on Royce. I was not going to dump on Polanco. And and Polanco and Julian both made really nice defensive plays to their credit in the course of this game. Mm-hmm. But we'll start with a 10% chunk of pie to to the Frenchman, Edward Julian. Um, in In reflecting what was sort of became a theme of the day, which is, and again, playoff games are won between the margins. And in the uh, in the third, when Julian, who had doubled, decided to take off for third base on a ground ball to Bregman, uh, and and it turned into a force play on Julian. And as Przinsky said, and by the way, I thought Przinsky and Wainwright were outstanding. Dude, like they that, were great. That, really that was good. a deep. That was a master class. Like if anybody is like, well, why why are you so hard on Bally's guys? Because that's what I want. That's exactly what I want. And that was a master class. Everyone's yeah. great. Yeah. Everyone's playing Edward perfectly. Julian. Every decision. Well, what's he supposed great. to do there? What's and when Prasinski's like, what's he even thinking? And I mean, Prasinski was right. And then to Prasinski's credit, he also said that now puts Royce on first base, and Royce can't run. So so correct. Like he, yes. So he might as well still be at home plate. Yeah. And Julian ran on a ball where there was like, there's no legitimate excuse. It was just. Yeah, what are we fact, running? We're running on contact from second base now. Like, think, what, like what are you thinking? I think both of the and analysts, uh, rightfully so, thought that Julian thought that th- there were two outs. Yeah. Which, yeah. So I'm just the last ugh. out. Who cares? And, and, you know, the throw's going to go across diamond. And a ball on the left side. I mean, that's, I hate to say it's yes. little league stuff, but a ball on the left, hit on the left side, man. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to run to third base on that. And it was hit to Bregman, right? Like, yeah, I can, was, I can see him right into him. There's yeah. some calculus where, like, if it's a ball hit to the left side, kind of in the hole of the shortstop, and you can beat it, okay, that's that's calculus base running. Yeah, this was just like a ground ball to the third baseman. And he, and Correct. What, what he, come on, guy. But I mean, that's the type of thing in a playoff uh, game like this against a team like the Astros, where everything, like every small thing, is rightfully magnified. That's that's really brutal. So. Ten percent truly needs to help. Riley chimes in on the. <laughs> by the way, we're we're live on the Score North YouTube channel here, and we will be um, after for sure after the road games. For the home games, we're gonna we're gonna wait a little while because we're gonna be at the game. So, but uh, Riley says Julian needs a new helmet. His helmet flew off about nine times today, 
And then uh, his bat went flying bat after too. one of the strikes. That and how, well, he got. I, I think that was an that was an Uncle Charlie, right? From Verlander, if I'm not mistaken. Where like, yeah, he just lost everything. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. it was incredible, embarrassing. Yeah. Anyway, ten percent to ten percent, okay. dude. You know what? You actually played a pretty damn good second base, which he has mm-hmm. improved at. But that was inexcusable, and and it could have cost you. Yeah. Um, we won't know, but it could have. Okay. 15% chunks uh, are going to go to the first two pitchers that the Twins sent out. Bailey Ober, three innings, four hits, three runs, two strikeouts. I want to talk about the Jose Altuve home run, though. Okay, dude, you're going to go with a fastball, and, like, I'm going to sneak it by Jose Altuve, <laughs> who is a master. I believe um, – I. I wrote the note down. I I believe he is now what second all time in playoff uh, slash postseason home runs. Is he? he is, he's played a lot more games than it. some of the old guys. Yeah. But yeah, he's I got mean. he's got something like. In fact, I wrote this down. If I could find it, he's got something like eight uh, playoff home runs now. Yeah, I mean it's absolutely ridiculous. I'm trying to see if I can find. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. A 24 career. Postseason. Wow. I was like, yeah, eight, didn't Beltron have eight in one postseason one time? <laughs> it's eight. I, I think it's eight now from the leadoff spot, possibly, but 24. And you're just going Boy. to sort of like sneak that pitch by him. Hey, I'm just going to sneak a four seamer by you. And my name oh. is Bailey Ober. That, that's a bad way to start a game. Um, I don't think that he was terrible. He certainly didn't pitch great. Uh, but you know what? M- maybe be a little bit more careful. Maybe start um, uh, start Altuve out with a, I don't know, a curveball or a changeup or spike it in the dirt. Anyway, this certainly wasn't a Randy Dobnek situation, so I, I don't, I don't, no. I'm not trying to go down this path. Um, it, it's actually a luxury for the fact that we're debating who starts Game One, not because of, oh man, is it going to be Brian Dunsing or Carl Pavano? Like they have their number, they have their best two stars going in two and three, mm-hmm. but Ober has home run problems. And I think I tweeted out the stat 12 of his 22 home runs that he's given up this year have come in innings one and two. So he does leave pitches up early hitters tend to swing on him early and you're facing the world series champion and you're leaving pitches up right away to Judd's point against one of the most postseason veteran hitters of all time. Jose Altuve, I looked this up. Uh, he is hitting over 400 when swinging at the first pitch so far this season. I just yeah. want to pull up his career numbers too. It's ridiculous. So for his career, he has he loves to swing at the first pitch. Jose Altuve. He has 50, 55 career homers on the first pitch of an at bat. When when he decides to swing at the first pitch, he's hitting 373 with a 963 OPS. So he loves to loves to ambush pitchers. And maybe Bailey Oberthought, hey, this is these guys haven't these guys haven't played in a while. He's maybe he's likely to just kind of take a pitch and settle in, or maybe he was a little Ball nervous move. too. And like I'm just gonna I'm, yeah. let's throw a fa- let's get a fastball over and get the game started. Nope, yeah. Jose was was ready for it. Indeed, he was. So 15 percent goes to Ober. The other 15 percent that I am going to reserve for the pitching staff, Kenta Maeda, who came in two innings, four hits, two runs. Um, Two walks, two strikeouts. It, again, not a disaster, but you know what? Like we've been talking about uh, Kenta's success coming out of the bullpen in the playoffs and World Series for the Dodgers. You certainly expect more there. Like, like you needed 
you needed those guys to probably calm things down a bit. And we'll, and we'll get to Declan's point about the offense, certainly early on against Verlander, not doing its job, uh, but 15% each to those two pitchers. It would have been nice if, if Maeda had uh, gotten in for a couple of innings himself and shoved, and we didn't necessarily get that. So not a huge slice for those two pitchers, yeah. but they def- but they definitely share in the blame probably of between the two of you. Can you give up? I don't know. Let's say a couple of runs, not five mm-hmm. runs. Cause you were down five rip. It felt pretty bad. Now you came back. That was fun. Um, but they definitely, I think share in the blame and I'm not, I'm not giving Rocco a slice here. Cause I don't think he screwed up. No, I agree. This was, like, this was kind of what we up. we kind of figured, okay, if you're going to start Bailey Ober or Joe Ryan, but Bailey Ober, then Kenta Maeda is probably the handcuff either by design if you just don't want one of those guys to pitch beyond like the third or fourth inning or if they run into trouble in the case of Ober. And I think in a perfect world, my, so Maeda threw 43 pitches over two innings. He was probably good for like 55, 60 pitches if he was feeling it, right? I think in a perfect world, Maybe Ober gives up the three runs in three innings. It's not ideal. And then Maeda comes in and uh, holds it down for like three innings. And and now it allows you to try and get back. Despite those guys giving up five runs in five innings, the Twins still almost came back and tied. They had the tying run in scoring position after the uh, excuse me swing double by Max Kepler. But yeah, not not exactly the way that you would have scripted it for Maeda. So right. I'm I'm comfortable with his slice of pie. Yes. All right, so so far, 10% for Julian, 10, uh, 15% for Bailey Ober, 15% for Kenta Maeda. Yep. Now a bigger chunk for a guy who had a really bad day, and I really like him, but he had a bad day. 20% Alex Kirilov, come on down. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so, here, yeah. so here's Kirilov's day, okay? And, and again, some of this is at the plate, but he also made a play that stopped the game from – uh, potentially being tied after the Twins scored four in the seventh. First of all, at the plate, um, after after Royce hits into the uh, double play in the first, Max Kepler comes up and walks. So at that point in time, you've got guys on first and third. Kirilov grounds to short. Okay. Then, to go back to what Phil just referenced, in the seventh, you've scored four runs. Kepler... Mm. Hits an excuse me double, Kirilov comes up to bat and strikes out. Now, now let's get to the play though that you can't afford. And uh, and um, Przinsky and Wainwright did a great job of breaking down what happened. Unfortunately, it was as we saw uh, between Maeda and Jeffers. It was a pretty big play, and that's the one where Kirilov when Abreu was going first to third and got thrown out and Alvarez scored, Kirilov saw Abreu cross his face and cut Walner's throw from left. And as those guys said, and they're right, Walner has a cannon. Yeah. And that's a throw that you've got to let go through because if you can cut down that, that run, if you had cut down that run after six and a half, it's four to four. Does that, I, I have to go back and watch the replay sort of thinking that way. Was he going to be out? It was going to be look like it was going to be really bang bang. I thought was he gonna was going to beat it, but it was going to be bang bang. And and Jeffers and Maeda's re- 
reaction. And I forget, there was a regular season play, and I don't think it involved Kirloff, but there was a regular season cut exactly like this. I want to say that one was by a third. That might have been by a Polanco playing third. Um, But, like, you can tell when both guys are like, dude. And Jeffers has the arm where it would have been close. Mm -hmm. But a 20% chunk goes to, to a guy who I expect, I guess, a lot from and just had a really off day did not have a, a good day in Alex Kirloff I believe with my uh St. Cloud State math keeping score at home these last three games Alex Kirloff still doesn't have a hit in this postseason because he's been subbed out in games one and two of the wild card game for Donovan yeah. Solano um and I don't know if I'm spoiling a piece of pie but like him and Walner have looked completely overmatched at the plate in this series. Ne- neither one of them has a hit so far in the postseason yeah and tonight Walner yep. and Kirloff were combined 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. They left a lot of guys on base. So, yeah, that that's the other thing, too, is they scored four runs in the seventh inning, but they still haven't scored more than five runs in a playoff game in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah I know, I know that they just won. They won a series, and, right? Am I, well, yeah. Because yeah, what did no, they – what were the scores of those two games again? Uh, we had a three to one and two nothing, and then a two nothing, right? Five, so five runs in two <laughs> so, in two games. So can we just like how about eight runs in game two? Huh? And if, or, you, and it, well, if you really break it down, I think Royce Lewis has driven in four of yeah. four or five of the runs in the three games here. Yeah, three home, well, three, three, three home runs, and three, three home runs for sure. Yeah. Well, what a two run shot, a two run shot in the first of game one. Solo shot. shot. So he drove in all three in game one. Um, I don't think he drove in a run in game two. And then tonight he hit a solo, he had the solo shot. Run. And Polanco so he's got had like four, the three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four runs driven in in three games. Okay. Um, all, right. all right. And then the final slice of pie, um, which your, your Walner uh, take on could that infringe on the pie chart? is sort of correct, but it's not because 40% goes to a complete lack of clutch early and again in the eighth. And this is a, this so 40% is, a, is to lack of clutch, a lack. Clutch. A, yes. A, yes. Lack of clutch okay. in, in the first, because in the first three innings, Justin Verlander did not look good. Like he looked unsure of himself. It was discussed a lot on the telecast. Uh, he looked like a guy who was like, if you pushed him just a little bit, you certainly could have scored runs. And and when you look at the first three, in, in fact, in the first three innings, he threw 23 pitches in the first, 13 in the second, 19 in the third. So he was at 55 pitches at that point. And he got two massive double play balls. But then in the, in the third, Julian leads off with a double. Polanco strikes out. Lewis hits into the play that we talked about where Julian runs into an out instead of, so instead of it being like two outs and a guy on third and then Kepler strikes out. Um, And then in the eighth, same type of thing, Correa doubles to start. Walner strikes out. Jeffers strikes out. uh, But I think it was during the Jeffers at bat, if I'm not mistaken, that the wild pitch thrown by Abreu of Houston allowed Correa to go to third and then Castro comes up yep. and grounds out to second. So there was just 40% here, boys, to me, just goes to a complete lack of clutch. And if you don't have clutch this time of year, I don't think you're going to win a series. 
Like no. you've got to, and, and I mean, Phil, to your point about that they were destined to lose or not, you know, if they're, if they were, if they were going to shock the world and win this game, the first three innings of this game were when you, Oh my God, the twins scored three runs. The twins yeah. scored four runs and just the complete lack of execution in some ways. And, and the inability, the inability to capitalize on the fact that a hall of fame pitcher who we all sort of knew, okay, there's going to come a point in time where that curveball is going to start to work and he's going to become very good because that's how he pitches. The inability to take advantage in a playoff game is really going to bite you in the ass. Yep. And, and yeah, at some point, gosh, especially against this lineup, which just, it's so hard to strike these guys out. They just constantly put the ball in play and they work counts. You know, you're, you're probably going to have, you're not going to win games scoring three and four runs. Most likely, even with how good the twins pitching staff is, and they've got their best pitchers lined up. If you're going to win, I'm not saying you can't win a game three to two or two to one, but, if you're going to win three of the next four games, one of them probably has to be you scoring eight or nine runs against this lineup, right? A couple other thoughts here, but just to sum up uh, Judd's pie chart of blame here for a game one loss. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. Eddie Julian gets 10%. Bailey Ober gets 15%. Kenta Maeda gets 15%. Alex Kirloff, 20%. And then a 40% chunk to just a lack of clutchness. Um, you know, it is clutch, especially if you're looking for a new deck of uh, some kind. Ugly Deck, our friends at Ugly Deck have jumped on board here to help us out and pump more episodes of the Scorn Our Twin Show this postseason. And we, de- we uh, definitely appreciate that. And right now, our friends from UglyDeck.com offering a Reserve My Deck package now special for the DIY homeowner who wants to build a deck in the spring and save huge, huge bucks. Uh, th- this is only for a limited number of customers who reserved their deck package. I mean, look at that right there. Uglydeck.com offering up to get this $1,000 off a full deck package plus locked in 2023 pricing. Uglydeck.com will then deliver your deck package to your driveway by May 1st of next year. And you will be the smartest DIYer DIYer on your block, saving as much as $10,000 on your deck build. How about that? $10,000. Remember with Ugly Deck, you still get free plans, a free coach, access to their online deck build academy, and they will install your footings and ledger. You do the rest. You save big. UglyDeck.com. Go there today. Click on the Reserve My Deck Package Now button. Ugly Deck is going to help you. You talk about clutch. You talk about no lack of clutch. Ugly Deck is all about clutch and making your deck look fantastic next year. Yeah. Also, a shout-out to our friends here, too, who have jumped on board for this postseason run of Score North Twin Shows, hire a pro. So Twins fans, so we we haven't had, uh, I don't think really any roofers advertise on Score North or the Score North Twin Show, and hire a pro is different than roofers. So think about like hail season, you've got roof damage. So uh, if insurance has approved your roof replacement, you can earn a profit on a hail claim. So roofers do it all the time when they ask for an insurance check. They just know what materials to order, a crew to hire, how to negotiate with insurance. They know the whole game, right? Hire a pro takes care of all of this for you so that you can be your own general contractor and earn what a roofing company would in their profit. This is the most transparent process in the industry, and roofers actually hate these guys because they show you everything a roofer can't, which is the expenses and profit on your job. So let hire a pro Sit down with you on your approved claim, and they'll knock it out of the park for you. 
Give Hire a Pro a look at HireA.Pro. That's HireA, and then put the dot, Pro, HireA.Pro. Or you can call them 651-402-3400, 651-402-3400. And thanks to Hire a Pro for supporting us during these postseason Scorner Twin Show episodes. Um, one thing that really stood out to me, and, and we kind of knew this was going to happen, the Twins were the uh, most strikeout-prone offense in baseball, a very productive offense, a top-five offense by almost every measurement second half of the season, but they strike out more than any team in baseball. The Astros put the ball in play and strike out fewer times or a fewer percentage than almost any team in baseball. Mm-hmm. And there's there's like a like an 8% gap in strikeouts per plate appearance, you know, like per 100 plate appearances over the course of a year. And today it was on full display. The Twins struck out 13 times, Astros 7. And you may think, well, that's, really, I mean, that's, that's six extra at-bats that aren't just an automatic out, right? So of those six, are there two extra base hits, three extra base hits, right? Is it, is it um, you know, a, a dribbler that moves a runner over or something? Putting the ball in play is a valuable thing, and it's a staple of the Astros. I don't know that the Twins can really, like, even that battle because they just they don't have as many guys that can put the ball in play. But it's something to watch. Just how many times do the Astros do something good because someone put a bat on a ball somewhere? A bloop fell in when yeah. maybe it would have been a strikeout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is uh, Framber Valdez is the Astros' game two starter. And so he's a lefty. So my guess is the Twins are going to wind up put like you're going to be like a Donnie Barrels game. Probably you might yep. see like Willie Castro. Maybe Walner comes out. We'll see about Kirloff. But what's what's interesting is actually this season, left-handed batters had an OPS that was 60 points higher than right-handed batters when facing Framber Valdez. So he has kind of reverse splits. Mm-hmm. So do you leave do you leave a lefty or two in, or Kepler do you trust your in. own splits? It's going to be interesting. I bet Kepler gets left in. Um, I bet Kirloff does not. Mm-hmm. I bet uh, I bet good old Barrels is at first base. Uh, to Declan's point about Walner struggles. My guess is he comes out as well tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but they do seem to have, there, there seems to be an overriding faith in Kepler. So I bet you Kepler mm-hmm. uh, starts, but he might be the only left-handed bat. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And they, the Astros, that is, do not have a single left-hander in their bullpen. So Kirloff wow. and Walner will come off the bench. Once sure. Valdez gets off this game, you will see Kirloff, mm-hmm. Walner in a situation potentially high leverage or pinch hitting, but I would bet probably good money that both of those guys, if not one or one of them are out of the lineup, at least starting lineup for tomorrow. Yeah. I still feel good. I th- this was, this was kind of a, a th- I'm not a throwaway game, but like this was a bo- game. One was a bonus game. Game two with your ace. I'll let you know tomorrow <laughs> at, at, at about, uh, at about uh, 10 o'clock. I'll let you know tomorrow. Okay. That's fine. I'm getting out in front of it. I'm getting out in front twins and four. Twins well, win the win. next three games. Yeah, I just it's gonna. You know what? Um, the the games against Toronto were a ton of fun, and the Twins deserve credit. But Toronto shot itself in the foot in lots of ways, and I'm not. And I don't think Houston's going to be nearly as dumb. So that. So I guess my question is: is uh, can you can you win the, the next two? Because I'm convinced that you have to. Like like those two pitchers, and then I sort of you know. If you can win the next two, go up two to one. So, it, and if you do split on the road 
for games one and two, I think that's fine. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody thought that, that they were going to sweep. Um, and then, and then what sort of becomes the wild card, but I like your chances are the potential for a game four at target field, because I do, you know, I think the fans definitely give you an advantage, like with how noisy that, that place was. And, and the nice thing with us is once we're, once it's been confirmed that we play an important role, we'll keep that up. We need some validation first. Well, we, we need do it first. We've, but then we've been starts, damaged for 20 years. The we Metrodome, just need a little, though, was the same you know. way. You know, like like the Metrodome was not the Thunderdome in game one of the ALCS against yeah. the Tigers in 887. It just got super loud, and all the players were like, that was great. That was fantastic. And then we're like, oh, hold on a second. You're confirming our importance. Yeah. And so I think Toronto, I think those two games confirm the importance that the fan base means. And I do think that if – in a game four, they would give you an advantage that you definitely didn't have in 2020 when there were essentially no fans allowed in the building. Yeah. And sold out for games three and four already at Target Field. Yeah, so it's cool. It'll be a sellout. It'll be rocking. They, yes, the Minnesotans, our passive aggressiveness and our, oh my God, are we being okay? Are we in our right lane? The fact that there's validation that they want a playoff game, I, I pat, think will help Pat them. you on the back, yeah. fans. You did yeah. a great job. It's okay. It's okay. You go get them, kids. Get back on the horse, yes. So, all right, boys, uh, there it is. Judge pie chart of blame here. They got another game the Rock knows tomorrow. How you feel about pie. Tomorrow's a big day here on Score North, too. This is, a, this is such a fun time to be a Minnesota sports fan. We got Chiefs Vikings in the middle of the afternoon. We'll do a live Vikings vent line on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. And then we'll do a live reaction later at night on the Score North YouTube channel, a Score North twin show after Twins Astros game two. Click the like button and the subscribe button on both of our YouTube channels, please. As we look to keep spreading uh, the word about this awesome Minnesota sports community. So, all right, boys, I'm actually going to uh, hop over for the last three quarters of Gophers, Michigan. Enjoy. So, Gophers do a pick six early, but they're, it's 10 to three now. All right. We'll see what happens. Just cover that spread, Gophers. That's all I care about for right that <laughs> down. 19? Cover that spread. 19 and a half. It was 19 when I looked uh, on Wednesday morning. Yes, it was. And I'll, Phil, I'll, I'll text any major WWE spoilers or major events that uh, that maybe take place at Fastlane. That's that's my evening tonight. If CM so. Punk comes back, he, he will let come you back know. tonight, though, right? Get on your scooter and just start <laughs> coming right back if that's the case. Yeah. If you see. Yeah, if you see uh, if you see someone on a scooter frantically trying to to make his way to a stadium, that's probably me. So, all right, uh, there we go. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Hey, it's just one game. It's five game series. It's an eternity, okay? And the Twins' ace is on the mound tomorrow, so we'll see what happens. And quite frankly, this is all just like a free roll. It's all house money for the Twins now. Uh, for Judd, Declan, I'm Phil. This is the Score North Twin Show. We'll see you guys tomorrow.